Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity, with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello, hello, and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerdra Jackson, the CEO and creative of Living Strong Consulting. And when I think about the seven pillars that make up the work that Living Strong is committed to, that's relationships, that's finances, that's health, that's mindset, that's time, skill, and faith. Our conversation today about emotional healing actually affects and impacts all seven of those pillars. And I'm so excited to be able to have this conversation with my new friend, <laughs> Siobhan Gunalan. She'll, she'll correct me and make sure that I'm saying her name correctly. But I want to share just a little bit about uh, my new friend all the way from Singapore this evening. We're going to be talking about emotional healing and the different types of emotional healing from whether it is abuse, it is insecurity or abandonment. We want to be able to unpack the practical tips and tools that are involved in the work and the challenge of getting to a place of tapping into your full potential and being able to work through and to the flip side of those emotional wounds. Now, to give you a little bit about Siobhan, she's based in Singapore. So yes, tonight is our international conversation. I am in Virginia. The radio station is in um, Arizona and Siobhan is in Singapore. So we are covering the full map <laughs> this evening and it's early morning, it's 5 a.m. Um, <laughs> and Siobhan has woken up to be with us this morning for her and evening for us. But Siobhan, she is passionate about empowering women to tap into their identity. She is a visionary and an author. She desires to nurture women who have been impacted by trauma to help them to be bold and to achieve inner healing to be their full selves. She's also active in YouTube as she has her own YouTube channel called The Living Room, which features inspiring stories of brave women talking about their empowerment. So I'm excited to be able to have this conversation with Siobhan. Welcome to the flip side, Siobhan. Thanks so much, Dr. Vajri, and uh, thanks so much for the introduction, and I'm really excited to be here. And um, yes, I'm all the way in Singapore, and I'm really glad that we can have this connection and this conversation, even though we are not on the, you know, on the, at the, in the same country. <laughs> <laughs> same part, we're not even on the same part of the world. But you know what? <laughs> 
what is so initially powerful for me is that we are on opposite ends of the world, but emotional healing is still Mm. the common thread that keeps us connected. I think it's a story and a narrative and a process that is universal. It doesn't matter where you are on the planet, being able to be emotionally well and healed is something that's relevant to everyone. Would you agree? I agree. And I and I like the part that when you started the introduction, you said that there's the seven pillars, right? And emotional um, healing, if, if it's like, um, if it's undetected or, you know, if it's overlooked, you kind, it affects every area of your life. It affects not only um, your relationships, it affects your finances and everything that you do. Um, because it kind of is, I feel that it's a, it's a hindrance. It's a hindrance that stops you from living a fulfilling life, like, you know, going even further than what you're called to do. I so agree. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be able to jump into, so what emotions do you feel are necessary for someone to tap into transformation? If we're talking about real change, mm-hmm. what, what emotions do you think or feel are necessary for that? If you're talking about real change, right, I think um, in terms of what in, in terms of transforming, I think it's really being secure in who you are. Um, if you take, for example, right, I, I, feel, I personally feel right that everything that you do in your life is tied to your security and your identity. Even simple things like overindulging in food, for example. Yeah. I mean, we, we see yes. that a lot. I, I've seen that in a lot of like my friends or even people who love to post food and all that. And even simple things like that, they, are, they, they make up for that because something else is lacking in their life. But people might think it's, it's normal. I'm just taking pictures of food. I'm just thinking about food. But what is something that's, you know, like, um, that's not in your life that you feel like unfulfilled, I'm not settled by something that you need to even like, you know, substitute it. But, you know, for the lack of a better word. So I think in terms of transforming yourself, right, it's really being secure about who you are, being confident um, in your identity. Um, and that's why I'm really passionate about um, that because I feel like it's that piece in a puzzle. You know, it's like, you know, when you're doing a puzzle, right, there's one piece that's missing and it's incomplete. And when you have that particular puzzle, however small it is, it completes the whole picture. Mm. I appreciate how you started off by sharing that emotional healing or the health of our emotions can be overlooked, but it's this running thread through everything Mm. we do. And just as you shared it, it also can show up in how secure we are and who we, in who we are. And without Mm. that security, there, there seems to be a missing piece in how we're trying to move through and accomplish what God's given us to do. Is there anything in your particular story or your own experiences that has helped you gain this feeling or awareness? What's a part of your flip side story? I kept thinking about this the past, um, in a few days, as I was leading up to this conversation, 
Um, and I kept thinking about what really happened from the time of uh, when I actually started, um, you know, in 2012. So just a little bit of background, if I want to share. Um, it's um, on 20, in 2012, it's the year that I actually got my, my divorce. And that was from a very emotionally uh, abusive relationship. It's really very toxic. And that actually kind of left me disconnected. It kind of broke me up so much that I felt like I was a totally new person. Um, and I couldn't identify myself. And during that stage, in, in that past few years, as I was actually going through my healing process, um, a lot of things were very unclear to me. Like, why was I doing certain things in my life? Why was I like, you know... Um, you know, why, why was I looking for security in so many different areas? Like, for example, even simple things like uh, shopping. You know, I, I love to shop at a time. I buy things on impulse, um, you know, food, um, everything. Um, and then recent years, I think maybe about last last two years, I would say, um, I began to, that, that kind of, I felt like a, you know, a switch was clicked on. And it was so much more evident last year. And last year was the time that I really began to meditate on the word. I went back to the word. I just had this desire and hunger for the word. And as I began to be very conscious of the fact that who I am, I, I just felt like everything was, you know, just falling off. And one of the things that I felt was a major breakthrough, like I shared with you some sometime back, was in the area of my weight management. Um, I wasn't like overeating and everything, but I felt like there was a point in my life that I'd gained so much of weight and it was so hard to keep it off. But when I began to be very conscious of the fact of my identity and it's found in him and it's in him alone, I began to see a change in my life. Like, you know, um, there was this verse that the Lord actually placed in my heart that I began to meditate on, which is my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, food is, it's not for the stomach. You know, all those verses that you brought up to me that I kept on meditating, yes, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and I, and I should take care of it. And that was purely by revelation that I began to lose weight and I began to, you know, like cut down on, in terms of food. And everyone asked me, like, is it some diet? But it's not. And that's when I realized how important, um, you know, your identity is, how important your security is. Um, because, I was having all this emotional hurt in my heart. And, you know, it, I, I felt like it was this wall, all these walls that were just like, you know, kind of like weighing me down, oppressing me. And it has to be broken one by one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What you just shared about how it is all interconnected our perception of ourselves, how we then may overcompensate for the empty places by trying to tap into things to try to feel, fill the void that's there from the insecurity. And instead of trying to tap into a thing, whether it be shopping or food or Facebook or overworking people, anyone who's listening, you can put your own, the thing in that blank. But if you're not clear on who you are and the value 
of who you are and whose you are. If you can't connect those dots, you continue to try to fill a void that's there, but becoming secure in who you are and intentionally, I love the practicality of what you just shared, the what you're reading, what you're taking in, what you're saying out of your mouth, it all impacts us emotionally and just as you shared, physically. For you, it physically changed your your weight and your health. And I think a lot of times what happens is um, people don't see it that way. They think it's very harmless. I think we are under this um, false mindset that it has to be this huge thing, right, um, for us to be, you know, obsessed over or to feel like, oh, I'm, I, I have a problem right there. If I'm just shopping online, I'm just buying stuff, that's, that's, that's okay. I mean, that's fine. You know, we, we tell things like that. Oh, um, you know, I, I, I just like to take pictures of food. I mean, have you actually gone back to think, why do you do that? You know, what's the purpose behind it? Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, even people who love to be on social media or the, you know, like the, um, they spend hours just looking at social media and all that. But, but, but why, do we, why do we do it? I mean, if you feel like you are so content with your life, right? There's so many things that you feel like, nah, I, I don't want to do it. I don't want to waste my time with that. I would rather do something else that will be not only benefiting me, but also benefiting the people. Mm-hmm. Being willing to pause and ask ourselves why. Why am I doing that? What, what does this mean for me? And what is it doing for me? That powerful pause, uh, one of my colleagues uh, shared with me, she has this saying of pause and then pivot. Gina Hackett Curry, um, in the work that we do, she she shares, you know, when when we are doing things that are emotional or out of an emotional response, be willing to pause and then make a pivot, make a turn that we don't have to continue the same pattern over and over again. What would you say are the barriers that hold people back? from making that pivot? It's fear. Mm. A lot of times it's fear because they don't want to, um, you know, face something. They don't want to unearth something. I think a lot of times, right, it's, um, it's for me, was emotional abuse. For other people, it could be physical abuse. It could be trauma that happened in their life. And it's like um, a door that they've kept locked for so long. For some people, it's been like years. And to revisit that would be to reopen that and, you know, face it boldly and and say that, you know what, you don't have a home in my life anymore. And and I think that's where a lot of people have that fear of like, I don't want to go back there anymore. I I don't want to revisit and and feel that pain. But that pain, I feel, is just temporary. Once Mm -hmm. you take that stand, once you're bold enough to overcome that pain, you know, it, it, it's just, it, it will go away. And that actually opens up that, uh, that door for you to actually heal, you know, to, to kind of like rebuild yourself, I would say, yeah. Wow. And so the fear of not wanting to go back, I so often think about how uh, people will 
share or be afraid that I won't be able to survive. If I go back, it will crush me. Mm. And I think about, but if you don't, what are you giving up by staying imprisoned by the pain of your past? If you don't, if you're afraid to go back and you don't think you'll survive that moment, are you surviving actually now? Or are you operating from a place of you're still imprisoned by the pain? So why not go back and get your freedom, <laughs> take it out of the hands of the enemy that's holding it right now, go back and get your freedom you can and will survive those moments. What are some of your thoughts about that? What are some destructive experiences or or things that you've experienced that have helped you understand moving beyond where you are? I think for the distractions, like you mentioned, right, it's basically sometimes it's people, people around us. When I started sharing about my life, and my divorce, there were people who told me that, no, you don't have to talk about it because it's unpleasant. It doesn't have a happy ending. And there are times people feel like, no, I'm not going to share it. But sometimes being vocal, opening up to talk about it, it's when you take away that um, that freedom or that power back from the enemy to say that, you know what, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to take that limitations of God and say that, you know what, God, I can't do it on my own. And I've got you. You are my strength. Yeah. Yeah. Going back and putting putting words to what the feeling is, what the experience was, how it impacted you. Going back to what you you shared earlier, beginning to understand why this is happening and not being afraid to ask why and move beyond the shame that is potentially holding you hostage and the secrecy. I I find it to be really profound for you to, to, to acknowledge that when someone said, don't talk about it because it wasn't a happy ending, that's an opportunity to remain in a shame place or in a hiding place when that's not what we've been called to be. We've been called to be light, to be representation. And we can't do that if we're hiding. Wow. So as we get ready to take a break, we're going to come back with Siobhan and begin to unpack some practical tools that helped her move beyond her experiences of hurt and talk a little bit about why did she pick the title Crossed Out for this episode. So we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life is now in session. Are you present? We don't get a dress rehearsal in life. So why not grab every moment you can to grow? 
Join me every first Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific for our live webinars. We're creating a growth plan and unpacking the 15 invaluable laws of growth by John Maxwell. Instead of waiting for growth to just happen by accident, let's get intentional about creating a growth plan for you. Let's do it together. Log in to www.livingstrongllc.com and grab your spot for First Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 Pacific. And let's grow together. It's your time. This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back. I have been having an amazing conversation with my new friend, Siobhan. She is in Singapore. I am in Virginia, but we're having a common conversation about something that is relevant to all of us, no matter where you are on our globe, is the ability to heal in our emotions to heal from emotional pain, to move beyond the abuse and to tap into the security of who you were born to be. Siobhan, just as we were wrapping up before the first break, we were beginning to talk about tapping into how do we get free? And there's a quote that I, in my reading in preparation for today, it struck me. John um, Kabat-Zen said, you can't stop waves, but you can learn to surf. And when I think about how emotions can sometimes come over us, wash over us like a wave, as human beings, we can't always stop the emotions. We, we actually can't because as human beings, we were designed to feel, but we can learn to surf. We don't have to get wiped out by those emotions. We can learn practical tools, strategies, and skills that help us surf those emotional moments. What are some practical tips would you share with someone who wants to come out of that hiding place, out of that shame, into a more whole, thriving experience? What would you share with them? Firstly, for um, for people who are trying to come out of this, right? I, I firmly believe um, who's in your circle, who sits in your circle, is very important. Um, because a lot of times um, over the years, we've developed so many friends, right? And I always, um, and I did this past couple of years ago, so I kind of have a, an inner circle. These are the people that I trust. These are the people that I allow them to speak into my life. Um, I think that's so important. Because during this process, 
as you go through these processes, this process is done just with you and a lot. And a lot will provide you the guidance. But you need the right people along your way to affirm you, to encourage you to go on the journey. A, a simple thing like for me, when I did my weight loss, right? I, I had friends who are like, oh, wow, they are like this amazing, um, you know, like coach. They, they have all this help things and it just didn't work for me. But when the Lord actually gave me a way, it really worked for me. And one of the things the Lord said was, we do not share. And I felt like I wasn't in a position to share what the Lord is doing in my life because it's personal. What works for me, what, what revelation that I get is very different from someone else. So the circle of friends that you have, I think that's where you start first. You know, Remove some people if you need to because they are the ones that have the power to bring you down. Secondly, I believe that journaling is also very important. Um, as you talk to the Lord, as He gives you that word, that verses that you know that speak to you in you know in visions or giving you a picture. Because a lot of times, I feel like um, God already has a purpose for us, and His plans are always good for us. But along the way, we have a detour, and uh, we are lost. So you know, allow Him to paint back, refresh your heart, you know, refresh His. Um, vision for you and, and show you what you had planned for you and journal that because journaling is so important because along the way of your journey, I can guarantee you, you will fall somewhere along the way. You will go back to your old habits. You will go back to a point of yes. feeling frustrated, like this is not happening for me. And at that time, when you look back at your journal, you realize how far you have come. You realize what the Lord has been telling you because sometimes you know, we are a per people of, uh, I would say, the, you know, the microwave generation, right? You want things immediate. You want it done now and it's fast. But God's ways, uh, sometimes it takes years to manifest. It's, you know, because you are not ready for it. And what do you do during that time of waiting? You go back to that journaling that, you know, what you have in your heart. I think that's another, another good way of doing it. That's another practical thing. I think the third way I would say is really ground yourself in the Word of God. Um, a lot of times, this is something that people overlook. Maybe they feel like, okay, if I read it on Sundays, that's fine, that's good enough for me. But the Word of God is just so full of promises, and it's like a picture book, right? Who you are, you see, you know, when I want to see a reflection of myself, I see it in the mirror. But I want to, when I want to see a reflection of who God says I am, I look at the Bible. I look at the Word of God because that's where it's written, like, you know, this promises to me. Um, recently, I started reading this book called Spoken For, which really talks about identity. And there's so many verses there. So imagine that you're going through this journey and you feel like I, I wake up and I feel like I'm not feeling it. You know, I feel like um, I'm, I'm, you know, you, you will have that moment of suffocation, you know, during that time when you come out from healing. Um, because it's like you've been in the dark for so long. You've been in the cave for so long. The, the, you want to like, when, you, when you're about to reach that, that space where you're coming out to see them, you're seeing that light, the tendency of the enemy to pull you back in, to suck you back in is always there. So you want to have that versus in your hand to think about it. So what do you do? Write down what speaks to you. And then, um, you know, affirm that and say, you know, I'm the beloved child of God, for example. Or um, one of my favorite verses is, um, you know, is uh, nothing is impossible for God. God can turn around every one of my situations. So continue to declare the word of God. Um, and, and that is another sure way 
of your emotional healing guarantee. And one of the things that I practice these days is really worship. Worship is one of the things because sometimes you are in a stage when you wake up, you're like, you don't want to pray, you don't want to pray in tongues. Um, but worship puts your heart in the mode of receiving. It puts you automatically, like, you know, full of joy, full of, like, thanksgiving, full of um, love, conscious of his love for you, conscious of his presence for you. And when you do that, right, that, that's when it also helps you to guard your heart, to guard your emotion, to bring it down to that place where, like, you know, God, I know that you are here with me. I know that you're going to, you know, bring me through this. And, um, and I was listening to something yesterday, um, one of this podcast, and it was so interesting that he tied in worship, identity, and authority together. So because mm-hmm. when, you know, the, the enemy always tries to steal worship away, right, or prayer mm-hmm. or time. So mm-hmm. one of the things the enemy has a lot of hard time dealing with is worship. Because worship puts you, you know, on your feet. Praise puts you on your feet. And when you are bubbling with that joy and energy, nothing can bring you down. And then you're conscious of your identity in him. You know who you are. You know who you belong to. You know you have that power. And when you stick out that word, you have that authority. That wow. Yeah. I hope everyone who was listening was able to grab paper and pencil to capture all of the nuggets <laughs> Siobhan <laughs> just shared with us from your circle of friends and being willing to break loyalties that are no longer serving you. Everyone who is in your circle does not necessarily need to stay there. And it is okay to break loyalties when they are unhealthy or they're not supporting your ability to move forward to journaling, to what you're saying to yourself, to worship. She just laid out a buffet (laughs) of valuable nuggets for us to be able to pick up. One thing that stuck out for me, though, and I'm hoping you're okay with me kind of throwing this in here. When we talk about journaling, So often it's being able to get our thoughts, our emotions, our truths down on paper. And as you shared, when we're in a default setting, our default response of feeling broken, feeling angry, feeling frustrated is a default setting. We have to be willing to rewire our emotional setting as well as our mental setting and how we are talking about where we want to go. And all of that can happen through our writing. What we're putting down, it literally, neurologically, when we write things down, it creates new pathways in our brain. So when I think about your writing as an author, How have you used your writing? Now, I have, I so love the descriptions of the first two books. And then is your third book out yet? Or is it still? No, it's it's, it's coming up. So I want you all as listeners to, to hear how Siobhan has used her writing 
to go into the word and create stories around stories, real life stories and situations from the Bible, from her first book, A Divine Connection, which is the story of Isaac and Rebecca. And then I love this one, A Scandal of Grace, which is um, Hosea and Gomer. And, and then You Found Me is in the works. So tell us how has being an author helped you release and get on the other side of your pain? I think I've never um, wanted to be an author. I love to write, but I've never actually dreamt of being an author. Um, the first book that I wanted to write was Initially You Found Me. Um, I called it, um, the first time I, I titled it Finding Your Voice because I felt like that I was on that journey of rediscovering myself and it was really a testimony of what, because one of the things that I really didn't want to forget was how actually God moved me, how he brought me from a place of destruction and how he restored me and I really didn't want to forget that and I wanted the world to know that if it could happen for me, it could happen for, for others itself. So I was writing that testimony down and I felt like, really there was no flow out of it like you know as an author sometimes people have all these steps of like you know you need to write every day and all that but for me if there's no flow I don't feel like I was ready to write it because I think that it was not the story that was ready to be released yet and at was at the time I was actually um, reading Isaac and Rebecca and I was really um, fascinated with the story of like the right place the right time how God brought the two people together and as a single woman right now um, and surrounded by single women so every time praying for their life partners and like you know you have prayers for boys all the time I just felt like um, you know this was an interesting story that will appeal to single women and I wanted it to be um, from the bible itself so when people read it right you you don't really feel like um, I'm alone I'm single when will I find someone you will read it and see the love of God so I created a very one uh, humorous story about Isaac and Rebecca in practical setting. And then after I was done with that, I was um, the next book that I wrote was uh, Scandal of Grace. And the reason I wrote it for a little bit of a mature audience, I would say, for more of people who are maybe married and relationship and how to make their relationships work. And I love the story of Rosia and Goma because it speaks about um, a faithful God pursuing an unfaithful people which is most of us anyway you know and I felt like that sometimes running away from God and saying that you know what I'm going on my destructive path I'm, I'm being rebellious today and I I wanted to capture that because a lot of, not a lot of people know the story of Jose and Goma um, and when when I actually started to talk about that and people realized is this really in the Bible did God ask a prophet to marry a prostitute I mean how dramatic was that like all those Bible stories, right? People might think it's old, it's boring, but I tell you, it's the best drama. It's, you know, it's so vivid. It's so, um, it's so passionate, you know, and, and I wanted it to be in a practical term so people can, you know, read and, and reflect on the Lord's love. I think a lot of times when I read, when I wrote all the stories, the back of my mind is always about being conscious of what God is saying, how he loves you. Um, and also the fact that I also wanted to cover is, um, I, I know there's a lot of Christian authors out there, but I also wanted to be practical. So a lot of my characters, if you see, they're actively serving in church, they're in a position as a deacon maybe, they have cell groups, 
they have their moments where they're on their knees, praying to God, there's verses. So it's something that, you know, you can identify with, like, even as you read it. Yeah. So making the stories, um, uh, first of all, recognizing that the Bible isn't boring. So <laughs> the Bible, Netflix has nothing on the Bible, that everything <laughs> under the sun, um, there is an answer there. And pulling out practical stories for others to read, to begin to, and as as you shared earlier, if I want to see a reflection of myself, I look in the mirror, but if I want to see a reflection of God, I go to the word. And so being willing to look in the word and find practical application of faithfulness, of grace, of redemption, of love, of um, authenticity, it's all there. Uh, So I encourage those who are who really want to be able to jump into some great stories, um, look up Siobhan's books. Can you share both of the names of the books before we go on break? I'll do that, yes. Um, so it's a, the first one is The Divine Connection, and the second one is The Candle of Three. And are they on your website? Share your website address. Um, my website is uh, com. And with that, we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life is now in session. Are you present? We don't get a dress rehearsal in life. So why not grab every moment you can? to grow. Join me every first Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific for our live webinars. We're creating a growth plan and unpacking the 15 invaluable laws of growth by John Maxwell. Instead of waiting for growth to just happen by accident, let's get intentional about creating a growth plan for you. Let's do it together. Log in to www.livingstrongllc.com and grab your spot for First Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 Pacific. And let's grow together. It's your time. This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back. I have been having an amazing conversation all the way from Singapore. (laughs) And we are unpacking the ability to tap into emotional healing and the power and the freedom that is tied to that. Just before we went on the break, we were talking a little bit about Siobhan's book, Scandal of Grace. And 
recognizing how <laughs> that story reflects a lot of our lives. And Siobhan, you were sharing a little bit about how it connected with your own story. Yeah, I feel like since I was like um, at the point when I was um, I was always like running away from God. I think that, that it was this fear of me, like you know, I was not ready. I was really not ready to, um, you know, come back. I was not ready. I was just like this unfaithful person, right? Chasing after idols, and I and I don't literally mean idols as in like you know worshiping idols, for example, but chasing after the. Um, the materialistic things of the world, that's idols as well. I mean, um, anything that has a foothold in our life, anything that takes up a lot of our time and our energy is an idol. So yes. I was chasing after all that and I wasn't ready. And there was a time that Lord, the Lord kept calling me and said, you know, come back, you know, come back and serve and come back and do this. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do this. I'm not ready. And I'm like, and um, in 2015, I really, I clearly remember the year was the year that the Lord kind of closed everything for me. He shut me down. Mm. And I was like, I found myself like everything that was in my life that I was clinging on to was taken away from me. And that left me with nothing but only him to hold on to. And I had to come to that place. I had to come to that realization like only he satisfies, only he um, is the only one constant in my life. It's not my career. Um, it's not my relationships. It's not what I own. It's basically him. So I, I, I began from that journey on to come to that stage where I realized that even if everything else was taken away from me, that's fine. I learned to be content with what I have because I know I have Jesus with me. Wow. Yeah. You know, you just reminded me of, uh, I heard this quote uh, actually this past week from uh, a message I was listening to on a podcast and it was a shift in perspective. And the uh, minister shared that instead of focusing so much on what was lost or what was taken, or what you are afraid of losing, whatever interruption happened, instead of spending so much of your energy thinking about what you lost, what if you began to think about, because that thing is now gone, what is possible? I want that to sit with you for a minute. Instead of focusing on what you lost, what I just heard you share, Siobhan, is how you made that shift from it's not what you lost, but now that that thing, whatever that thing or that person is, now that they're gone, what is now possible? What could happen now even if it was a painful loss or it was uh, a physical loss, what is now possible even in the face of that? Especially for those who are believers, those who are in the body of faith, God's not done with us. So what possibilities could we surrender and give over to him? I think a lot of times we have to realize that, you know, God's plan for us is always good. Um, he can't love us any any more than you know, anyone of us. He wants the best for us, and he and I think when you have that expectation and know that you know he cares a lot more, 
he wants the best for us, you can safely list any decision in his hands. Um, I, I think a lot of times for believers, right, the, the feeling is like, they feel like I'm not ready to let go of something because they feel like God can't give me something better than that. And that's why a lot of women, for example, single women, hold on to a toxic relationship because they feel like I can't find something better than that. All these battles, you know, when you reach a certain age, you feel like, you know, I can't find someone, you know, and, and it's okay, I'll just settle for this. But, you know, what does God have to say about this? But what the Lord has for you is even better than what you can ever dream. I mean, that's why they say, I have not seen you, has not heard what the Lord has in store for those who love Him. And I'm saying this not because I have everything that I want right now in my life. I'm still trusting the Lord. It's still a journey. But coming to that place of saying that, you know, God, I surrender. I know that you have good things planned for me. I know it might not work out this way. I might like someone else, but he might not, you know, um, return the feelings. But who cares, right? Because at the end of the day, the, the Lord loves you. And the Lord says, you are precious. You are treasured. I have my eyes on you all the time. So who cares if really someone that you like is not looking at you? So all this is like, you know, I can say it right now with a smile on my face, but there was a point it felt so um, discouraging, so hurtful to even say that. Mm. that that. No, no, go ahead. But that's what emotional healing does. It takes you Mm -hmm. to a place where you can look at all those things and say, you know what, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people say about me. It doesn't matter, you know, um, you know, what I've got or what I've lost. It's all it matters is I'm just going forward because there's better things in, in, in my path right now. So tell me, what does releasing forgiveness do in this process? Wow, releasing forgiveness is so important. I feel like... Um, you know, there are some, some preachers would say like, you know, having forgiveness is like taking poison, right? But I feel like it actually, um, bitterness and forgiveness really go hand in hand. Um, because the moment you don't release forgiveness, you get, you get bitter. And that cuts you to the core. Um, it does a lot of things to you that you feel like, you know, I'm so upset, I'm so angry. Um, and but the thing is, right? When you start to release forgiveness, I mean, you don't have to forget what the person has done to you. That's hard, but you can release forgiveness because God has forgiven you. I think that the thing that we need to be conscious of is God can forgive us of all the mistakes that we've had. Why can't we forgive someone? You know, um, not bear grudge. It's a journey, but you know, keep on at it because the moment that you feel like I can't forgive someone and you get bitter, you will never go on that path to freedom. You will never get to achieve that uh, full purpose the Lord has for you. And that's so much more. I mean, it's so much more in store for you. If you look at it like in a scale, right? There's so much God has in store for you. And that forgiveness, that bitterness that you're holding on to is just a tiny little bit. So you release that and you get hold of everything that you have. Yes. I was listening to Christine Kane. uh, And for those who know her story, she talks about Mm -hmm. how much of, I believe that like 12 years of her life was uh, tied to um, emotional and sexual abuse. And she had this 
statement, she made this statement around forgiveness that if she spent, she's in her fifties now. So from up to that age of 12, is she willing to stay shackled to and focused on those first 12 years and compromise the remaining, what is that, 38, 38 to 40 mm-hmm. years after that, still stuck in those first 12 years and not live the 38 that she's been given as a gift after she was released from that pain. And and for me, that's what unforgiveness does. It leaves you stuck in the period in time of the pain and the hurt. And you are literally compromising the freedom years you've been given because you're still shackled to the pain of the years of the of the hurt of the insecurity and and the hiding that all of the things that were trying to sabotage just as you shared earlier the enemy doesn't want us to live free so would we compromise the 38 years to stay shackled to the 12 are they that valuable but he calls he's offering us so much more and I love the fact that you use Christine Keene as an example because um, after my divorce in 2012, the Hillsong Conference was the first conference I attended, uh, first Christian conference I attended in 2013. And it was the very first time that I saw, um, that I heard Christine Keene preach and she caught my attention immediately. And I felt like, oh my God, she, I was so drawn to her story. And um, and it was so interesting that we even shared like the same date of birth. And I just felt in my heart um, at that Time. This is where the Lord is going to put me, that I'm going to do some work around this area. I'm going to write books. And that was in 2013. Wow. It didn't come to pass until last year. <laughs> but everything in a process, right? It's he'll plant. You'll get a seed planted in one season that actually needs to be cultivated, to be nurtured to go through a process so that when it begins to sprout up and show evidence, it's healthy. It's not something that we're just reproducing out of our pain where we are producing it out of our healing. And it's so true. And it's like um, being planted. Like, um, I think I didn't realize it. I always thought to myself, like, why doesn't it take so long? Like, you know, I even forgot about the vision that I had in 2013. But I think um, there was uh, that God actually puts us in a dark room because a lot of times it's to protect us because we are not ready for it and the people around us are not ready to, to see what we have to offer. Mm-hmm. So sometimes God puts, it, puts us in that dark room to cultivate us, to grow us to our full potential, to make sure that you know, He sharpens the ages and everything before releasing us. Yes. You shared a uh, statement uh, when we were corresponding in preparation for this, Mm. and you made the statement of facing the inner demons, not being afraid to walk down the path of whatever the experience is boldly. Can you Mm -hmm. unpack that with the, we have about two minutes or so left. 
if someone is struggling with that inner demon that is still holding their heart and um, imprisoning their identity, in our last closing few minutes, what would you say to that person who's listening today? For that person, I will encourage, strongly encourage them to find an accountability partner. Find someone who can you can be accountable to, that you that knows everything about you and that will, that doesn't condemn you. That's I think really important, and will walk that journey with you. Because when you are facing that uh, that inner demon and you're in that process, right, of um, mm-hmm. getting yourself free and going for your emotional healing, mm-hmm. um, you know, you want that accountability partner to be there for you, to support you in prayer, to support you when you're down, and to encourage you to keep moving. And I also feel that the, the second thing that you can do during that time is really, really um, you know, continue to speak a lot because I feel like a lot of times we do it in our own strength and that's very hard to fight any demons in our own strength. We can't do it. Um, especially there are people who wake up in the morning and say, I have a panic attack or I have this anxiousness coming to me. So wake up in the morning and, you know, start that day with the Lord, with the presence of the Lord. Cultivate that that habit because, it, you know, a habit, right, it's, Eventually, if you do it day after day, it just becomes a habit, like how you wake up and go to work. Yes. It's, it's easy. You don't even think yes. about it. I wake up in the morning to do a podcast. I wake up in the morning to write a book. You do it out of habit. You do it not because I need to or want to, because you know you have to. Mm-hmm. So why don't we do that the same way, practicing the presence of the Lord, you know, waking up in the morning with, with a word, with a devil, start that day. Have conversations with the Lord. Not conversations with yourself and with your mind. (laughs) Shut down your own internal narrative. It's okay to, to quiet that inner voice. And just as we close, I would say I, I have to, uh, in talking about emotional healing, I also just want to say that I acknowledge and, um, I want to say, even though we're virtual, that I see you, if you are in a dark place and you can't see your own way out, that it is okay and it is um, freeing to seek out professional help to be able to get to a healing place. So if you need a counselor, if you need a therapist, Stop holding yourself back with the fear of what you think someone else will say, but go after the wise counsel that will also help you get to the other side of your freedom. You don't have to do this alone. Siobhan, thank you so much for an amazing conversation. And thank you for waking up so early in the morning (laughs) to be with us here on the other side of the globe. And as you um, continue to, to share, I would encourage people to check out The Living Room. We didn't even get a chance to talk about your podcast on YouTube, but they can find it on um, just by searching uh, The Living Room, correct? Yes, just by searching The Living Room or my name. 
Yes. So check out Siobhan on The Living Room. And we will um, look forward to you logging back in again next week. Same time here on the flip side of adversity. Thanks for joining in. Thank you for tuning into Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.